So I was um, I was a vegetarian uh, for a while. I had to stop being a vegetarian for medical reasons. Interesting. Um, but uh, you would have kept going. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I'd done it for like six and a half, seven years. So get like, out. Yeah, at that point. Yeah. Um, wow. In my hometown, uh, there's a place called Smith Hearts. It's it's fantastic. I don't even know if it's still there. I really hope it's still there in my home area, I should say. And the burgers are fantastic. They had like chicken fried steak and stuff like that. Like really good, really good food. And so before I became a vegetarian, it, like I liked this place. It was popular. And then um, after I became a vegetarian, I'd been a vegetarian maybe like a year. And uh, a friend of mine um, wanted to eat there. There was one Smith Hearts restaurant uh, in like the next town over that was like sit down. Mm -hmm. And so we went there and I thought for sure I could get like a big salad or something. Or that's what I'd have to get at this restaurant. And sure enough, like that's kind of what it was. <laughs> and I looked at the menu and even the salads they had, they all had meat in them. And like was it like, wasn't a meat, like add $2 for meat. It was, it was like, this has chicken It's it. going to have This has meat. chicken fingers. In oh, it, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of wow. So, um, like, welcome to the South, right? It's glorious. <laughs> it's really awesome. So, um, I just asked the waitress, like, do you have any vegetarian options? And with a straight face, with all the sincerity in her heart, okay. she looked at me and says, oh, honey, we have chicken. <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. It was awesome. And I remember oh being like, uh, I'll take two side salads. Oh, like, my that's, gosh. That's fine. Why did you become a vegetarian? So I, I read a book in high school called Sid, Sid Hartha by Hermann Hess. Um, he's a, a German uh, philosopher and author. And um, the book kind of deals with this, um, it's, a, it's this, this kid in the, um, I guess, the Near East, so India, right? And um, his father is very well-to-do, his family is very well-to-do. Um, but they're a very religious family, very like, like very practical and pragmatic and, and seems like they're very healthy, but he kind of gets disillusioned, um, with his lifestyle, this kid mm -hmm. does. And so he, um, he sees these ascetics, these, uh, these essentially priests of whatever ascetic religion, their whole sort of goal is to deny themselves, um, some of the pleasures of life in mm -hmm. order to learn about themselves and to learn about God. Um, very similar to Christian asceticism or, you know, talk about monks or whatever. Yeah. And, um, and I just was kind of fascinated by that, that idea of like, you know, you're, you're going to deny yourself something in order to, to learn more. Right. Um, and so I just decided one day I'm not going to eat meat anymore and went out with my friend, um, Dan and had like one final meal at Dan's uh, hamburgers. No, it was uh -huh. actually at uh, <laughs> a really good Vietnamese restaurant in Houston. And, um, then I didn't eat meat for, um, I don't know, about seven years. I had meat wow. twi twice by accident in that whole time. Not even the chicken meat. 
uh, not even the chicken meat, wow. no fish, no chicken, no, no fish either. I didn't really even eat eggs. I would have cheese, um, but didn't even really eat eggs. I didn't know what veganism at mm-hmm. that time was at that time. It wasn't as popular and there certainly weren't as, weren't as many options. Options, for right. Like, you know, so you were like all salady and stuff? Salady. And, and the issue actually was that, um, where I, where I grew up and, and like kind of the options for food. Um, I mean, I could, could have certainly made better, healthier choices, but like you wind up eating like a lot of French fries and mm. like cheese sticks gotcha, and stuff gotcha, like gotcha. that. Cause it, you know, and so, um, you weren't having like spring mix with black beans. Not, and- not, not for as many meals as I should have. Yeah. Right. And so I actually, um, I went through a period where like my body sort of cleansed and I lost some weight and I felt very healthy. And then towards the end of that time, um, I was working more and wasn't working out as much and things like that. And I actually gained weight and had some, had some issues. And the doctor was like, your Bruh. genetics and, you know, just, just different things kind of in your, in your, in your body, um, the way that your body is, you really need to have some lean protein. You really need to be eating meat. And so, um, that health scare was scary enough that I pretty much immediately, you're like, pretty much immediately okay. did that. I was like, all right. Give me a steak. And yeah, I actually wound up in the hospital. And Dang that, it. And you don't kind of yeah. do things yeah. lightly. You're yeah. like, eh. And that first night, um, they were like, you have to eat meat. And they brought me a ham sandwich. And <laughs> oh was, yeah. You're like, this is I felt so guilty, meat. but it was uh, delicious. Was it? It was so good. And I'm not even a huge so ham hungry, fan, but yeah. I was just like, oh, Because it was hospital great. ham. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, so I read that book. It's it's a phenomenal book. It's a book that I've recommended to teens. It's not uh, necessarily inherently Christian, right? Mm-hmm. It deals with a lot of Eastern religions and philosophies, things like that. But it is there are a lot of lessons in there about about just life and kind of learning from the world around you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like cool. you're describing the forty days of Lent too. Yeah. Yeah. Because denying yourself and asceticism for you know, learning, learning more about yourself and also drawing near to Christ. Not that your book did that, but clearing the space gives yeah. you room too, if your intention is that way. And, and really just kind of the, you know, uh, you know, like you say, get kind of giving yourself, um, the opportunity to not be obstructed or, or impeded from growth, right? Clean so, in the fridge. So you're not, it's not that you're, you're, you know, I felt like in that I was kind of waiting on the growth to come to me. Oh. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. Which you is, might not have been an active participant. I wasn't necessarily like actively participating, but it was like, okay, if I do this, what's going to happen? Mm. It was very kind of experimental. Mm-hmm. And and it did. It did teach me a lot about myself. It, I look back on that time and I say, you know, I didn't eat barbecue in Texas for How seven years. How is that? That's crazy. You know, like you're I a barbecue lover. Yeah. And my dad, I mean, me and my dad would have cookouts and stuff all the time. And he put up with that for a long time. Wow. Right? What so, did he cook you? Did you eat tofu? I did eat tofu. I don't mind tofu. Tofu is mm. actually pretty good if you if you make it if you you know do something with prep it, it yeah. correctly. Yeah. Or yeah, I but don't it was know. it was an, an interesting, a really interesting experience. So okay, yeah, it was cool. It was All cool. right. Um, yeah. Are we ready? Let's mm-hmm. do it. Hi, Nikki. Hello, James. How's it going? Good. It is the uh, we're in the <laughs> we, yeah we're officially in the second week of Lent or coming up on the second this, Sunday of Lent. Oh. Right. Um, that is, uh, that is pretty cool. That's exciting. I'm still calling it the first week. Yeah. Well, well. We're, we're, we're technically in the first full week of Lent. So if you go to the readings, it's like, 
the first the week first of week of Lent. Right. Lent. This coming Sunday is the second Sunday of Lent. Yes, that'll begin the second week. And we're recording on Thursday, so technically we've lapped the week. We have. Once we have. On yeah, we've no. we've uh, experienced a week of penitence and maybe some penance and hopefully a lot of prayer and fasting and mm-hmm, almsgiving mm-hmm. and hopefully diving into that feeling of um, journeying with the Lord and kind of stepping into this experience with him in the desert, this one-on-one sort of uh, um, together alone experience that we talked about in the last together episode. alone. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. 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 And we're going to, we're going to continue to explore that um, when we talk this week uh, in, in, I think kind of a unique way, uh, something that, that um, um, will be a little bit different uh, for us to, to kind of talk about. And then uh we are also kind of responding to a request that we had uh, from some of our friends in the tech community. Uh, they, they reached out to Nikki, so I'm going to let you kind of explain what that request is. And we're, uh, we're really excited to be bringing you this, this unique episode today. Oh, yeah, yes. So yes. unique that we're going to be <laughs> I know. talking about Lent and Lent. I know. <laughs> yeah, so our friend Billy, Billy O'Regan, he's, um, I don't know the official title, the head honcho of the tech. Conference. I think that's it. I'm sorry, Billy. Okay. I don't know the real. I think you're like the executive, the executive director. Well, Billy and I went through tech together on in New Orleans way back in the day. So I just, to me, he's Billy O, and I just dropped the Reagan because you know he's Billy O. Anyway, so he was just asking if we were going to have a Lynch generic um, podcast mm-hmm. following up our Ash Wednesday episode so that, uh, he could share it with the tech community. Yeah. So we are kind of dedicating this episode to the greater tech community and to anyone else uh, that's listening that wants to go a little deeper in their, uh, their Lenten experience. We really appreciate, uh, Billy reaching out. Um, I've, I've gotten to meet Billy as well. I know that you know him better than I do, but I've gotten to meet him as well through tech and just a wonderful guy and a wonderful family. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I looked it up online, and he is the executive director of the Tech Conference. That's his That's official so title. so fancy. Um, which is the organizing body of the Teens Encounter Christ, or Together Encounter Christ movement. Movement, yeah, Right, yeah. so um, he is one of the many uh, very hardworking, very dedicated people mm-hmm. uh, that kind of keep tech moving forward and keep it responding to um, the needs of, of the people, and especially young people, which is really cool. Yeah. So, um uh, a great, a great ambassador for tech and a great ambassador for, um, you know, kind of that spiritual movement of, of kind for of, sure. of like radically encountering Christ. Right. Yeah. Um, so when we, um, when we talked about Lent last week, um, you know, again, one of the things that we really, um, really kind of focused on was, okay, we're, we're, we're here with Christ and we're having this, um, this kind of one-on-one encounter, this one-on-one time with Christ throughout this 40 days where we're really kind of focusing on, um, the, the, I guess this idea that Jesus, Jesus is meeting us specifically, right? When he goes out into the desert to be tempted by the devil and to prepare for his ministry, he's there to meet us. He's preparing for us specifically, um, preparing for us one-on-one, right? Mm -hmm. So when he's, you know, this idea that he's going out in the desert and he is thinking about Nikki Nikki, and he's thinking about what Nikki's needs are and what conversations he needs to have with Nikki specifically so that you'll make this return to him. Right. And we're going to talk about some ways in which the church 
echoes that. And, and I mean the greater church as in the body of Christ, as yeah. in the people of the church, but also like the church building that you go into. Um, we're, you know, the late to church podcast. And I know that when, at times when I've felt like a ragamuffin, when I felt like I maybe don't fit or don't belong, um, just going into the building of the church can be a little bit intimidating. Mm-hmm. And so, I, you know, after having some different conversations with um, the teens here at St. Vincent de Paul and some different things this week, I thought it'd be really, really cool to kind of talk about how the, the church, the actual building, the the art, the architecture, the structure invites us in to this experience with Christ and is there to support this experience. That's the word I was thinking of. It supports our journey. Exactly. And, and how we can kind of lean on the church, um, both the people and the mm, building, to... Yeah. Uh, to, to just kind of stay, just kind of stand firm in that journey and, and to stay upright mm-hmm. in that journey. Um, there's some really cool things that we can kind of take a look at. Um, we're going to talk about some uniquely Catholic things, right? Uh, but if you're not Catholic and you're listening, uh, I think the lessons are still there, mm-hmm. right? When we go to our place of worship, um, what are the, what are the things that we can focus on? What are the things that we can kind of, can kind of, um, um, kind of dwell on, mm-hmm. right? Uh, in order to, to really hone in on that experience of, of, of meeting God and to allow ourselves to kind of be in the presence of God. I like um, that. We're going to talk about that a little bit. I think that's really beneficial at Lent because I don't think, you know, I mean, I work at a church and I don't spend, I work at a beautiful church. Mm-hmm. Like, wow. It is. Right? Yeah. And I don't spend nearly enough time appreciating it or even just noticing right well does it become like the fine china it does you know it where does. it's like oh save it for special occasions like the once a week sure. you know sunday mass yeah as opposed to popping in whenever to just absorb the beauty mm-hmm. and and i think that's a good place to start our god doesn't he doesn't reserve the fine china mm-hmm. right like all the time he is giving us his He's best available it's absolutely 100 percent his best there's never like a mm. You know, it's not, you know, when you go to your, maybe you go to your grandma's house or, or your weird aunt or something, and she's got the, the plastic covering on the couch, right? Yes, I don't have any weird aunts, okay? <laughs> <laughs> um, growing up, uh, my, my grandma Lala, same cute grandma, she had, they had a, like a little front room den area, right? Yeah. And, uh, was there plastic on the couch? No, but there was a couch that you couldn't sit on. Yes. Right. Was it velvet? Because no. we had a velvet couch we couldn't sit on and it had matching velvet lamps and lampshades had the plastic on it until I think we got rid of them. Yeah. Like that never became something that we could partake of. Yeah. Uh, so she had a couch that was just this, it was this, it was fabric, but it was just beautiful. And too beautiful know, to sit on. Too apparently. beautiful to sit on. I didn't get to sit on it really until occasionally if we opened Christmas presents in that room. But y'all had to keep all the food and drinks in the other room. Oh, definitely. You do not walk in that room definitely. with a bevy. And didn't get to sit on that couch, like really sit on it until <laughs> my grandparents moved out of that house and she got a new <laughs> fancy couch for another oh. house and then gave that fancy couch to my Aunt Sylvia. And my Aunt Sylvia was like, it's a comfy sit couch. On the you couch. can sit on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, so our, our God doesn't, I know maybe sometimes we go to church and it seems that way. Everything is so it's clean and ordered or- ornate. and ornate, right? And and it looks fancy and feels fancy. A lot of people have problems with like gold and precious metals and gems and stuff like that being it's used. It's kind of bougie. It feels, it feels weird, right? It feels like, you know, this is too much or it's too, um, 
posh maybe. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that's, that's really not the point of that stuff. Uh, we can kind of talk about that a little bit. The, 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 a good place to start is like, and even kind of going back to that analogy of like the fancy furniture or the fine China, you know, those things in your home, they glorify and give honor to something, mm. right? So your, your fine China sort of glorifies and gives honor to maybe the experiences or the occasions in which you'll use those items. Right? Or just of our marriage or because exactly. we got them for our wedding and we don't use them except on special occasions. Exactly. Yeah. So they, so there's, when there's a the, gathering, there's this, special. there's this bigger sort of greater purpose, mm -hmm. right. Um, that's, that's behind sort of the existence of those things. Right. Yes. Um, when I say, when we say God doesn't work that way, it's that God's grace, his bigger purpose. One is kind of, you know, the, the fullness of that is unknown to us. God is a mystery. So why and how and and sometimes even even like where in our lives he pours out his grace on us is kind of unknown, right? Mm -hmm. Like he just does it, okay? Um, but uh, he is always wanting to give us his best. He's always wanting to give us that that fine China experience, right? That that sort of top level experience. And so the church, um, uh, you know we have this beautiful art and architecture and we keep these places of worship sort of pristine, um, in order to reflect that glory, mm -hmm. right? Just, just like that fine China might remind you of your wedding, mm -hmm. that, that, you know, those sacred vessels that we use or that very ornate picture that's on the wall or something like that in, in, a, in church is to remind us of the glory of God. It's to point to him. It's to point <laughs> to the fact that God is, is beautiful and amazing. And, you know, and I have people all the time, well, does God need that for you to worship him? The answer is no. That's not for God. That's for us. It's for us. <laughs> it's for us to keep in our little human brains how beautiful and glorious God is. Well, and I think that that's like the beauty of God too, that he gives us five senses and he allows for our church experience to kind of um, experience those five senses so that he can come to us in, in, in all the ways. Like, I'm going to reach you. Absolutely. And when he, um, when he reaches out to us in, in those ways, right. When he reaches out to us through those senses, when he reaches out to us in, um, in those experiences in worship, the, the, you know, we've talked about him being a gentleman, right. Mm -hmm. And him not really breaking his rules, uh, to get our attention. Right. He, he, he doesn't, he doesn't hit us over the head with a frying pan necessarily. He doesn't force us to, to do things, right. right? He he wants us to choose it. Um, he invites. He invites. But he 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 has established the church as a way to create this environment of of meeting him, of mm. of encountering him. So it's not just about an environment where he can give us grace. It's also about an environment where we can receive the grace and we recognize that the grace is there to be received, right? A, a gift isn't a gift if someone's not there mm, to receive it. Right. And so, um, God is all about in, encouraging us to receive and encouraging us to, 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 you know, recognize our place and, and recognize how beloved we are, um, recognize his, his love for us in these, I hate to say it, but like fancy things. Right. Yeah. And, and it's, it's not, um, you know, the, the fancy things are not the, are not an end unto themselves, you know? Um, right. It's not lot, about the things. When, when a lot of times when Catholics start talking about 
churches or statues or, you know, beautiful things, it, 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 it can come across that we maybe worship that statue or mm-hmm. we worship that saint or we or worship. we're distracted by yeah. the statue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but the purpose of all those things is really to point to God and to help us build a relationship with him. Yeah. Okay. What does all that have to do with Lent? What's all that have to do with Lent? So we thought it would be really cool um, if you're struggling with what to do with Lent or maybe how to tap into that extra prayer time that you're supposed to be or you feel like you're supposed to be um, giving to God or giving to your relationship with God. If you're having a hard time doing that, and, and a lot of us do, I, I struggle with that. Um, I know I know that you know you and I have talked about like, okay, am I just, am I making time for this? Am I not making time? If I'm making time, am I just doing it out of obligation? Like, does like, it what, feel like going through the motions? Does it feel like you're going through the motions? Yeah, yeah. And you start kind of on this spiral of, of doubt, mm-hmm. right? And um, odds are there's a, Catholic church near to you, uh, maybe you're in regular attendance, right? And, and we wanted to point out some things that are always going to be there mm-hmm. when you go to church. And it's really just, it's really some simple things we're going to focus on. Um, and the, the idea is that if we know that these things are there and, and, and we maybe understand the message behind those things, then we can kind of anchor ourselves in prayer when we're in the church. And if we have a starting point, um, each time we go to mass, each time we go to, um, you know, to just spend some prayer time. Right. And if, if we just have a, a little starting point, I think it becomes a lot easier to say, okay, Jesus, this is where I'm starting. And Jesus goes, okay, I gotcha. Right. And we start to, to feel that consolation. We start to feel that movement of the Holy spirit of, of Christ sort of being on that journey with us mm-hmm. in a way that, I don't want to just come out and say it's going to be tangible, right? Because because maybe it's not. But I do want to say that it's it's a little more. Um, uh, there 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 are some pieces of it that we can appreciate through those five senses, through yes, you know, kind of seeing the things there at the church, feeling the things, you know, smelling the incense. Yeah, stuff like that, I feel right? like it's a thing that it can make it feel cozy. It can be that that little starting point of I am known here. I have something here that feels like, you know, going back home, going to your mama's house, going to your grandma's house. Absolutely. It's your family. Absolutely. And so right? each church has has these things. So it's kind of like welcome home. There's and there's a um uh, you can sit on the couch here. You can, you can, <laughs> you can sit on the couch here. And, and, uh, even in scripture, we see where God, um, he, he, he gives us these things. He, he gives us, uh, not only the senses to appreciate these things, but also he gives us some very clear instructions about what his house should look like mm. and how his house should be furnished and, and what our experience should be, um, in that, in those places of worship. Again, it's not to just throw a bunch of rules at us. It's not to to, um, to to worship the things or even to worship the experience. It's about enriching that experience and, yeah. and letting that experience be one where where hopefully we we grow in relationship with God. We grow in relationship with one another, and and we come away with this pr- profound sense of of awe. Mm-hmm. Right. We come away with this profound sense of of being loved. Right. And and that's um that's not an easy thing to always stay in tune with. I think Lent is a really good time to practice that. Um, so just real quick, I, I do want to, want to point out, um, the, the, you know, our, um, 
our traditions, our history, our our ancestry, so to speak, uh, as far as you know, how does our how does our worship look? What does our worship sound like? What mm-hmm. is it? What does the incense smell like? What's the point of all that stuff? It goes all the way back to the Old Testament, and when I say Old Testament, I mean like Genesis. Like and it, I love that. It's I so love that. cool. It's so cool, right? So, um, one of the first things that I want to to just you know kind of think about um, when you go into uh, most Catholic churches, right? When you go into to to um, uh, to your your church, right? The mm-hmm. one of the one of the one of the main three things I really want to three or four things that I want to kind of focus on is every Catholic church um, has a tabernacle. Okay. Correct. And the tabernacle um, is built out of the tradition of the Ark of the Covenant, right? So mm-hmm. it is a holy place, right? It is, it's a, it's a, uh, this holy sort of vessel, right? Where the, the body and blood of Christ are kept, resides, right? Yeah. It's, it's where, it's where Christ resides, the living the, the living God, the, the resurrected body and blood of Christ is kept in the tabernacle, body, blood, soul, and divinity. Where does that come from? Well, it comes from the Ark of the Covenant, mm-hmm. right? So if you've ever seen Indiana Jones, um, uh, Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? So um, it's, it's, it's that Ark. Like that's, yeah. that's the Ark that, um, that the, the Israelites built in the desert. King David danced in front of the Ark, right? It, and it, it, they would take the ark to battles and they'd win the battles and there's all the all these sort of amazing stories about the ark and uh, eventually it was um, the manna from the desert the Ten Commandments and uh, Aaron's staff right I think we're all in the ark uh, there might have been something else in there um, but the any time that the ark was present the Israelites got this sort of galvanized sense of of peace and and being able to you know, to do anything, to, to conquer any foe, right? Uh, you know, sort of being able to win at life or, or win on the battlefield, whatever it might have been, because they knew that God was present, mm. right? Because they knew that God was present. And and so I, I think it lent, like, that's a really, really, that's really good advice, mm-hmm. right? At, during Lent, do we know, right? How do we know that God is present to us? How can mm. we know that? And I think so, so often in the, in, kind of the readings at Lent or maybe the feeling at Lent, we feel sort of this, um, I don't know, we just sort of feel this this sort of desperate, uh, maybe despondent attitude, right? Because, because it is this time of like repentance. Mm-hmm. It is this time of sort of being a little bit forlorn, a little bit sad because there's this separation from God. Yeah, do you right? feel like you're calling him and he's has a message that says, you know, can't can't talk right now. I'm in the desert. Yeah, exactly. Like, we can't reach him. Exactly. And and But that's not know, true. And so the 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 music has changed and and you know <laughs> the, the the vibe and the, everything's purple in the church. The vibe is a little bit more, you know, down. We got some dried twigs and things. Exactly. Yeah, real. Yeah. Sad. And so I think sometimes, you know, um we kind of stop there. We kind of stop at like everything feels dark. It's dry. And everything feels dark and moody. We're in the desert. Right? I'm so emo. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're emo about about the whole thing. Um, that's just like the perfect way to play. We're emo about the whole thing. And um, you know, something like the tabernacle, right? Looking at your tabernacle, looking at your your church's um, uh, place 
where Jesus resides all the time and looking at the, the beauty, the fidelity, the, 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 the care that goes into constructing the tabernacle, right? It's gold and silver and there's angels on either side and, and you know, um, there's a sanctuary lamp, right? And yeah. It's, it's, that also harkens back to the Old Testament, you know, King, uh, I don't remember where that is, but keeping, like keeping oil in the lamp, right? Mm-hmm. Keeping this, this lamp lit, right? And, and um, there's, there's just this, just this idea that Jesus is still present to us, even in the midst of our suffering, of our, of our longing, and maybe even, a, maybe we could say, especially in the midst of our su- suffering and longing mm. for Him, in this very sort of desperate feeling time at Lent, right? Mm-hmm. For me, I know if I go to the church and I kind of see everything being Lenty, I get, I get this feeling of, well, Lent. I get this feeling of like kind of being repentant and kind of having to feel separated from God or, or whatever. But when I look at the tabernacle, it's like Jesus is right there. Mm-hmm. And so is the church trying to confuse me about those two feelings? No, no, not at all. The church is telling me, okay, this is a time for repentance. This is a time to, to kind of work on that relationship in some really maybe kind of messy ways, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe some things that don't yeah. feel too comfortable, but that, that work is going to start with the presence of God. That work is going to start with Christ being there for me, not just being there for me spiritually or being there for me in a book or in my mind, but being radically, substantially present in the tabernacle, in the Eucharist, right? Um, If that's, you know, if that's hard, right? There are a couple of other things that that we kind of want to point out that... um, remind us of Jesus's presence during Lent. And they remind us that, that the church points to, just like Lent, the church points to the passion, death, and resurrection of Christ at Easter every single day. Yeah. Always. I mean, just, yeah. So that journey of the Lent. The whole decor is yeah, Paschal mystery. Exactly. Flavored. That journey of Lent is, it's something that's reflected in the church's styling, essentially, mm-hmm. 365 days a year. Yeah. So, we can certainly look at the tabernacle and sort of see Christ's presence. But if you look at things like a crucifix, mm-hmm. every parish, every Catholic church is not just a cross, but a crucifix, but a crucifix, yeah. right? And most of the time they have a crucifix up on the wall, a big one that everybody can see. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also will process with a crucifix and they'll have another crucifix near the altar, right? And that's sort of in keeping with what they have to do for mass. Excuse me, these jelly beans are like sitting right here. Um, that's, that's in keeping with what they have to do for mass, but it's also there to remind us of not only who we're celebrating, uh, but the actions of Christ that we're memorializing. Right, So kind of the why, what, what it's all about. Yes, exactly. So when we, when we go to church to worship, we are participating in the Last Supper. Mm, yeah. And we know that the Last Supper, what comes after the Last Supper, is the crucifixion. Mm-hmm. Right? And so that sacrifice of Jesus for us is really kind of the ultimate sign of his presence to us, of his of his yeah. of him loving us, you know, like like it says in John's gospel, there's no there's no greater love than, than you know, for someone to lay down their life for their friend, right? Jesus there is no greater love than the love of Christ. Mm-hmm. And that's what the crucifix reminds us of. The crucifix, like, 
it's really, really sad. If you think yeah. about it objectively, it is sad and inhumane and brutal yeah. that someone is nailed to a cross and it's like, to die. And it's scary. It's scary. Like, I still haven't seen The Passion of Christ because I don't feel like I can handle it. It is, it is a really, really scary thing that I think a lot of times, you know, and I, this is true in my own life, I don't know about you, but I walk by, right by a crucifix not really thinking much mm-hmm. of it. It's a, it's a pretty devastating thing mm-hmm. when you think about it objectively. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, again, the church is, is pointing out our, um, one is kind of asking us to reflect on our humanity, mm-hmm. right? But two is pointing out the lengths that God is willing to go for you, for you in the desert to, to, to save you, to, to, to reach out to you, to connect with you. Mm-hmm. Right. And this, this Lenten journey is ultimately leading us to the cross. Right, it's ultimately yeah. leading us there, and so um, that's, a, that's another place where we can kind of come in and we can we can be kind of focused on, wow, Christ did that for me. Christ is here for me in that way, mm-hmm. and so that's where we begin our prayer. That's where we begin kind of internalizing that. And if you have a hard time just sitting down and, and praying, you know, um, sitting down and, and and having a conversation with God before a crucifix or maybe carrying around a crucifix, mm-hmm. right? And, and making that a part of your prayer life. That's a, a, a really great habit to get in at Lent. It's, it's easy. It's not anything necessarily that you have to put like a... You, know, you like say a, easy. I think it's kind of hard. It is hard, but it's, but it's, I shouldn't say easy. It's available. It's, a, it's, it's readily a, available. It's readily yes. available. You know, we do that at, on summer treats and hold the, cro- the mm-hmm. crucifix and I struggle with that because then I it just too. feels like, oh, I do too. I, I do feel too. so little and petty looking at him on the cross and talking about me. Sure. Or my, you know. But that's, but what's beautiful about that is that's the purpose of the cross. Like yeah. you can sit down and talk to him about it. And in fact, he, he wants you to, right? He, he wants you to, to meet him there. Um, one of my, one of my, it's, it's heartbreaking, but one of my favorite reflections, um, you know, things to kind of think about is on um, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Easter Vigil, right? Is uh, when we hear about Jesus's experience on the cross and, and who was there for him, and that it's only St. John, mm-hmm. his mother Mary, and another Mary, mm-hmm. who tradition tells us is Mary Magdalene, mm-hmm. right? Um, when we read about these you know, these people that are there and kind of what they represent, right? And uh, knowing that John was the youngest disciple, also knowing that John is the only one that's not going to be martyred, <coughs> right? Kind of yeah. knowing kind of knowing the rest of the story and knowing that Mary, uh, the mother of Jesus, kind of waits at the foot of the cross. And not only how terrible that must have been to see your son right? crucified, but also to know that she was setting the example for the rest of us. Wow, that's good. That's good. That's good. But she's setting that example of just saying, like, this is where my son is. He's he's had to go. To, he's been forced to go to the cross. He's chosen to say yes to his cross, mm. and I'm gonna go where he goes. Right. Wow. No matter what, I'm gonna go where he goes. That's beautiful, and that's hard. It is hard. Can I tell you this? When um, my nephew Joel, who will be 23 mm-hmm. on uh, Sunday, mm-hmm. when he was born, he had a, a heart condition. We didn't know what was wrong with him. And when he was uh, th- three, three or four days old, he had open heart surgery. 
It was the most terrifying thing. He was the first grandchild on either side for me. So um, first grandchild on my parent from my parents. Uh, and after his open heart, I mean, so he's a newborn, mm-hmm. you know, maybe weighed eight pounds. Yeah. After his open heart surgery, when the doctors came in and got my sister and, and her husband said, you know, y'all can come back and see him. And my sister said, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can handle seeing him. And the doctor just looked at her and said, you are his mother. He needs you there. Get there. You know, and it was kind of like in that moment, you don't realize, um, I don't know. I think, I think Sissy was trying to protect her own heart, sure. but at, but at the same time, the doctor's like, okay, I'm calling you outside of yourself. You're a parent now and mm-hmm. he needs you. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter how scared you are. Mm-hmm. He needs to see, um, comfort and trust and, and safety yeah. in, in your presence. Yeah. I, and that's kind of what Mary was for Jesus, just setting the example for us yeah. of just that, um, presence. Uh, absolutely. And, and, and there's no reason for us to think that Mary was just there you know, sort of stoically, you know, praying, right? Like we see in, in, in I pictures. I can imagine and, it was heartbreaking. Like it must have been heartbreaking. It, it, I mean, it must have been just the most brutal thing ever to yeah. witness. And to know that your son was so good. Yeah. To Ugh. know that your son was so good. Because Mar- Mary's a human being. Mm-hmm. She didn't necessarily, I mean, she doesn't necessarily understand the mystery of God. Like we, mm-hmm. we all, um, we all struggle with the mystery of God. We all struggle with the mystery of Christ being divine and human and walking among us and living among us. Like we all do. Right. So Mary had to struggle with that too. Her yeah. struggle was unique because she was his mother. Right. Mm-hmm. But she always chose him. That's, I mean, that's Mary's gift mm. is she always chose him. She always chose to say yes to Jesus. And so, you know, during Lent, what can we take from that model of obedience and that model of attention to Christ is just to to recognize him on the cross, right? That's the purpose of a crucifix, mm. is that we recognize the gift that Christ gave us when he was on the cross. When we, you know, I've had Protestant friends ask, you know, why why does the church have so many crucifixes, mm-hmm. right? And, and Protestants will point to the cross and they'll say, see, Jesus... Um, is no longer on the cross. He's, he's resurrected. And that is beautiful. That's wonderful. Crosses are, this started out as this really terrible, inhumane thing. And it became this symbol of hope and beauty and, and resurrection. But you don't get there without the passion. You don't get there without the sacrifice. And so that's really what the church wants us to keep in mind is that, is that not only does Christ sacrifice for us, but he's, he's, inviting us into that he's not he's not calling us all to be you know crucified like he was but he is inviting us into that paschal mystery mm, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. of dying and rising right and we have and our own yeah our own we have our own struggle our passions. own cross to bear mm-hmm. certainly certainly um so again that's kind of that's kind of the this little challenge that we were kind of thinking about for lent is is going to your church and maybe if it's hard to connect keep your eyes on that crucifix mm-hmm. keep your eyes on that on that, um, that image of Christ, uh, there, um, you know, like suffering for you, suffering with you. But, but if that's hard, maybe more importantly, present to you, mm-hmm. present to you in those sufferings, in those trials. Right? Yeah. Um, you know, this, the, the idea that, that, you know, John is, is there and he receives Mary right at the foot of the cross and that Mary receives John and, mm-hmm. and, we establish this relationship between Mary and the church in that moment, or, or, or I guess Mary and the, and the apostles, right. Which would, would, 
the church would start to, to sort of flesh out because mm, of the work right, right. of the apostles. Um, that's something that, that at Lent, I think we, we sort of take for granted is like, we, we have all of these allies in our Lenten journey. It's again, it's something that we're yeah. doing, you know, alone together, but the church is here for you to kind of lean on. Mary's here for you to kind of right. lean on in that time. Nobody expects you to do it, to do it alone. So just, you know, being there, seeing the cross, seeing, seeing Jesus's struggle and kind of putting yourself in the place of, of St. John or even Mary and kind of witnessing that, um, is a really, really, uh, is a really, really beautiful thing. And, and I think can really kind of motivate us mm-hmm. during Lent. Um, have you ever run track? I've not. Um, I have. And you know, what's really cool. I like to think in this game called life mm-hmm. that like I'm running track. Mm-hmm. That's me running really fast. Okay. And I think of the saints on the side up against the chain link fence. Go, Nikki, go. Mm-hmm. You know, like I never did hurdles, but I was thinking, jump that hurdle. Sure. Because, you know, there are hurdles in life. Yeah. And then there's also saints who are unique to different um, challenges that we might face. And I just love the idea of what you just talked about, like leaning on this family that we have in the church. Mm-hmm. To, to kind of support us through so we can go alone together. Yeah. It's a good thing. It is a good thing. And that's, and that's what, I mean, throughout her, uh, throughout her history, the art, uh, the architecture of the church has, has certainly, um, tried to remind us, right. And I think mm-hmm. it's the movement of the Holy Spirit. I don't know that there was ever any one, uh, you know, there was no decision at like a big council or something where they decided, okay, we're going to, we're going to teach everybody X, Y, Z about Jesus through paintings, right? Yeah. Yeah. It just kind of happened. Everybody, you know, different artists felt that, that yearning of the Holy Spirit to remind us that, Hey, the saints are here to remind us that, 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 that Mary's here to remind us of like, okay, we can, we can do this. We can run this Mm -hmm. race. Right. And, and, um, that, you know, that analogy is, is beautiful because, you know, when you, um, you know, why, why do, like, why do, I don't know, we just had the, the Winter Olympics, like, why do Olympians, you know, all of a sudden someone breaks a record at the Olympics, mm-hmm. or all of a sudden someone, um, you know, sets their, their personal best at an Olympic race or something like that, or some, some big race, right? And a lot of that is because, you know, or at least some of that, I think, is because of their cheering section, Right. Oh, it's yeah, like, they're it's this, just supported it's this well. big stage and they feel supported and they feel like they can do it. If you feel like you can do something, most of the time you can. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like most of the time, that's kind of the last hurdle to get yeah. over is feeling like you can do it. And if you have someone you trust reminding you of that, um, you know, it, it, it makes all the difference. It's really, really yeah. cool. And the saints do that. The saints right. do that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and the, the, the church does it. The yeah. church wants, wants you to know that you can do it. Yeah. Tell me more about the church. So um, the architecture. So the so the the so one of my favorite things that I like to point out to kids is is if you go into most Catholic churches, especially churches in Europe, right, and you look up, a lot of times you see rafters, right. Okay. There's usually not a ceiling. Um, <coughs> there's usually rafters, and it's a tall is that sort, sort room of the vaulted, angels? vaulted ceiling. That's part of it, right? Is it, really? it is. It is to make things um, seem bigger, right? The, okay. the glory of God is big and the worship, our worship of God should be big. Um, but it's also, uh, at least in, in a lot of, uh, a lot of different kinds of architecture that kind of lent itself to churches. Um, it's also that it looks like a boat. Uh, 
Really? Really. That is a real thing. So you go in a church, you look up, it looks like a boat. It looks like the framework of a boat. We're building Noah's Ark. And exactly. The church has been likened to a boat that is um, that is on this journey towards God, right? That is, kind of, that is moving, that is moving towards God. Um, and when we, when we think about it that way, right? When we think about, uh, again, this journey that we're taking alone together, right? We're, we're passengers in this, but if you go on a cruise, you don't know everybody on the cruise, but you're all going to Cozumel, right? You're all going the same direction. And so everybody wants to have a good time mm-hmm. on the way to Cozumel. Everybody wants to to you know try the buffet and go see a show and all that stuff on the cruise right yes the, the church is very similar and 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 to the wants, cruise to and wants <laughs> well we're all moving towards heaven right we're all moving towards heaven yes and the church wants us this is going to sound weird the church wants it to be a party a celebration all the time well it doesn't feel like that sometimes james i think because we all have stuff mm-hmm. you know and we all got to work on we ourselves brought too much baggage on the cruise yeah, ship maybe so maybe so right <laughs> weighing us down weighing us down a little bit um, but the church, I mean, the things that we get to do as Christians, even, you know, if you're Catholic, if you're not Catholic, the things that we get to do as Christians, being in a relationship with God, um, getting to, to spread the gospel, getting to to be baptized and be forgiven, getting to, to have, you know, families and pass our faith on to our kids and all that, all of that stuff is fun. Mm. All of that mm-hmm. stuff is glorious, right? It's like kind of... You know, the church believes it's kind of like the apex of our humanity. That's what we're made to do is to know, love, and worship God. So being someone who's invited into this journey in the church and getting to be on this boat is a privilege. Okay. Right? It's a huge privilege. This invitation is this. And it's not, I think sometimes when we kind of get weighed down with our stuff, I'm not saying your stuff isn't important, but... It's kind of because we're making that journey about us instead of about oh, God. Okay, yeah, yeah. Right, and I if we that. just let God sort of take that baggage from us, let let God be the, He's the the captain of the ship, right? He's making sure that the ship gets where it needs to be. He's also like the bellhop that brings your you bu- your luggage on, right? Okay. From another ship turn uh, term from <laughs> stem to stern, He is in charge. Okay, and and that means that that uh, that means that part of this journey in the desert during Lent is letting Him be in charge. Mm. Right, I've, I'm not. I struggle a, with that. I'm not a sailor. I don't know how to sail a boat. Right, I I have to, I have to give up my need for control to mm-hmm. God, who knows how to sail the boat, who knows where we're going. And Is that hard are, for you? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I think it's hard for everyone in different aspects of their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's really, it's really, really hard. I, I, I think I have all the answers all the time, and I never have. Do you? Yeah, of course. I'm always mm-hmm. telling God, like. Hey, you should do this instead of this. And God's like, nope, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Sorry. You know? Um, so that's a really kind of a really fun thing to think about. If you're having a hard time kind of letting God be in charge during this Lent or letting, you know, just kind of letting go of, of the restrictions maybe, or, or letting go of, of the reins, right? Look up. There's look somewhere in your church. Up. Look up. James, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Um, the last thing. I don't really like phones. But it's because of the seasick thing. I'll get over that. I'm not seasick with the Lord. I just burped a little potpourri. <gasps> I'm sorry. <It's> okay. <laughs> no, I'm not. That's why I wanted you to have that. I know. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Essential oils Essential for the win. Essential oils for the win. Yep. Okay. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I interrupted you. 
No, it's all good. It's all good. Um, so y you're right. It is, it is, um, you know, these things are metaphorical, right? The church is trying to paint a picture, um, you know, trying to, to, to make things, make a lot of complex things make very simple sense. Well, it's right? like explain further supporting our faith through parables, mm -hmm. like architectural parables. Definitely. Definitely. Wow. Yeah. 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 Um, also, at every Catholic church, you're going to see um, two more things. One, uh, the Stations of the Cross. Yeah. And two, uh, sacred vessels. Right? And you're also going to yeah. see like an altar and a presider's chair and sanctuary steps. And like you're going to see all these different things. But I want to focus on those two things. Okay. Um, the Stations of the Cross and the sacred vessels. Mm -hmm. So we'll start with the sacred vessels. And it's just a, this is just a really simple thing to think about this Lent. Lent sort of ends... Uh, on Holy Thursday with the Last Supper, um, the agony in the garden, and the arrest of Christ. Like that's that's what we yeah. celebrate liturgically. That's what we're memorializing liturgically. At every Mass, we are memorializing the Last Supper. So the words of consecration, the things that the priest prays over the bread and wine before we receive the Eucharist, those are Jesus's words taken from Scripture, um, taken from from uh, from the Gospels uh, and and later on in the New Testament, right? Um, that make his body and blood through the power of the Holy Spirit. Those words through the hands of the priest make his body, blood, soul, and divinity tangibly present in the Eucharist. Okay, so I want you to think about that. Like like that's and I'm, and I'm gonna say if. Um, if in quotation marks, because I believe it to be true. Mm -hmm. But if you struggle with that, I'm gonna I'm gonna put the question this way: If Jesus is present the way that the Church says that He is in the Eucharist, mm -hmm. those sacred vessels made of gold and silver, and you know, they're some of them are even like platinum now. They're beautiful and they're ornate. well taken care of and mm -hmm. ornate and all these different things. Even those things are not, quote, good enough to hold his body and blood, mm. right? Even those things, like, you could make a strong case, like, like nothing that we have really to offer God is good enough for God if we're taking God, like, just kind of at his face value, which is, is priceless, right? right? Jesus right. is priceless. So why wouldn't the church, why wouldn't the church, you know, invest and in, in effort to, to, make those vessels that hold Christ's body and blood as beautiful as possible, as perfect as possible, as not necessarily, you know, you don't have to, like, God doesn't need our gold. He doesn't need our, it's our, not for you know, him. It's not, well, it's, it's, it, but it is to reflect, to reflect him, but it's not, it's, it's not about giving him something to add to him. Right. It's about, it's about us understanding who we're there to encounter mm -hmm. and, and who exists in the Eucharist, right? Who is, who is there in the Eucharist waiting for us? When Jesus took the, the bread and the wine at the Last Supper, it was probably not, you know, there weren't, if anybody's ever seen another Indiana Jones movie, Indiana oh, Jones, The Last Crusade, <laughs> he, it's, the, it's the cup of a carpenter, right? It's, the, it's just this, this very, Jesus lived in a very simple, um, uh, in a very simple way, mm -hmm. right? And, and, um, we have good reason to believe that that um, Saint John was an Essene, which is like a was like an ascetic sort of offshoot 
of Judaism, right? It was this very, not, not extreme, but but they, they lived in poverty on purpose, Okay. Right? Yeah. And so Jesus, um, there, are, there are a lot of parallels uh, between the Essenic community and what is described in the Last Supper accounts, mm. right? That, that they were, they were living, uh, disciples were living and kind of celebrating in this very simple, um, very sort of, I don't want to say ascetic way, but in this way that, that was not ornate. They were not rich. They were not, right. you know. Right. I mean, they traveled with the one tunic yeah, and maybe exactly. sandals. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And so, um, there's no reason for us to think that Jesus is, you know, that the, the dishes that he used at the last supper were like, you know, made of gold and they didn't need to be because he was there. Whatever. He was there. Yeah. Right. But what Jesus does is he elevates that action of the Passover meal. He elevates that action of the last supper, uh, to no longer be just a, a sign or a symbol, but to be a reality mm. of, of, you know, or I should say a sign or a, it's, it's a sign of an, an invisible reality that maybe we weren't clued into before that. Jesus is now saying, this is my body. Mm. This is my blood of the new covenant. And that changes what that meal means, right? Mm-hmm. Passover no longer just means Passover. Mm-hmm. It's no longer just a memorial of what happened uh, to the Jews when they were in Egypt, right? It's yeah. now... Um, about this new covenant with the living son of God who is going to, um, he's not going to need any other covenants for the rest of time because he's, he's taking, he's, he's taking all of our sin, everything that we owe, all of our debt he's taking on in that moment right there Mm -hmm. and saying, okay, for once and for all, this is what, this is what I'm doing as God, right? We are then Every time we celebrate Mass, we are then invited back into that moment, into that one covenant, and, and we participate in that meal. Those vessels, I mean, if we're really being honest about what's going on there, mm-hmm. again, you know, I, 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 I'm just blown away that, you know, the, the, the bread come down from heaven, the living Son yeah. of God is there and then and then again like why wouldn't we want everything to be as special as, as special possible. as perfect yeah. as possible right um so again just this is not you know it's not to make anybody feel bad or maybe if you can't connect with the eucharist that's a hard thing you know just just a point of reference to kind of say you know that your your parish priest or or you know a, a deacon or an, an extraordinary minister of Holy Communion, right? And they're holding up that vessel and they say, here is the body of Christ. You know, that that vessel points to this bigger reality. Mm-hmm. It points to the presence of God in this really kind of radical and beautiful yeah. way that I think we just walk on by sometimes. Like yeah. we don't we don't recognize sometimes. Um, the last thing, and I'll be quick, just kind of in the interest of time, because we want to get to um, uh, a piece of art that we both love, right? Um the Stations of the Cross. Yeah. Every church has the Stations of the Cross on display. Mm-hmm. And even in if your church has like a side chapel or something, usually there's a Stations of the Cross on there display. There as well, yeah. Um, okay. We pray the Stations at Fish Fry Fridays during Lent. Oh my gosh. We, we <laughs> don't not call Fish Fry Fridays. <laughs> you know, we don't, we, maybe, maybe we don't even recognize that the Stations are there other, other days of the year. Right. right. So why are they there? Why? I mean, we don't necessarily pray with them, right? The, the priest doesn't encourage us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they've got to be there for a reason. 
Yeah. Like the church is, is very logical. More arrows pointing us exactly. towards him. And what is it pointing us to? It's pointing us again to the cross. It's the pointing Paschal us again mystery. to the Paschal mystery. Yeah. And you don't get to the Paschal mystery without this time in the desert, without mm-hmm. this season of Lent, right? You don't get there in the liturgical life of the church. So um, I, I, I kind of... I kind of thought about this um, with my, um, with my some of my high school teens, some of our team leaders. Uh, one of the one of the challenges uh, for this Lent is, you know, they they if if they if they go to a fish fry Friday and they pray the stations across, or maybe they they pray the stations with their family. Awesome, mm-hmm. wonderful. Go to the church. There's 14 stations. Mm-hmm. Go to the church 14 different times throughout okay. Lent. So 14 out of the 40 days, go, go to the church when you're, can be when you're at mass, can be when you go for confession, can be just a random time, what, right? Whatever. Pop in. And just spend two minutes, three minutes looking at one of the stations and thinking about the lessons in that one station. Mm. Let that one station kind of fuel your prayer for that day. Wow. Right. Again, not as a way to just jump through hoops to just do, but to, to spark that understanding of Christ's presence in not only in that moment in the station of the cross but his presence to you now right and the he, depths that he has gone to through for you mm-hmm. he is he is in all of those stations he wanted he wants you to encounter him mm-hmm. he wants you to learn something he wants you to see yourself in Simon who has to help Jesus carry his cross. He wants you maybe even to see yourself in like a Roman soldier who's whipping Jesus, right? Like he wants you to see your, he wants you to see you in himself and see your ability to pick up your cross and to to carry on, to move forward, right? And Um, seek solace in the fact that you're going to fall down sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And that, you know, it's, it's going to, life's going to hurt. And that I think is, is, I don't know. I was thinking about that this week, and I wonder if we've just, as a society, maybe gotten so far away from that. This just this knowledge that that we're not made to be comfortable. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I mean, I know we don't grow when we're comfortable. Yeah, like it takes some discomfort to to change and grow, and but we're not made for comfort. We're not, and I just I really feel like. Jesus smiles at us and he laughs with us and he, he just, he's human with us through all of the discomfort. Mm -hmm. It's not in spite of the discomfort. It's not like he's not ignoring the discomfort. He's saying like, I love you and I am with you and I want to, I want you to be happy um, and I'm going to make you happy even in the midst of all this stuff that's going on that isn't fun. Mm -hmm. Right. He still goes to Veronica and like gives Veronica a gift, right? She, I mean, she wipes his face, but he's still present to that. Mm-hmm. And he gives her this gift of his face on this cloth, yeah. right? He, he tells the women of Jerusalem, like, don't, don't cry for me. Don't cry. Yeah. It's, it's just like, I mean, if someone was crucifying me and I met a bunch of people that were crying <laughs> for me, I'd be like, yeah, help me out it here. It hurts. It hurts. <laughs> like do, do something, right? Like, absolutely. And Jesus says, you know, no, I'm, I'm, I'm here and I'm here for you. Don't weep for me. You know, weep for yourselves. Right. And it's so like, it's so hard to hear, but I think in that tough stuff is where we really get to hear what Jesus wants to say to us. Mm. That's where we really kind of hear the full, 
you know, we, we get to see the full picture of his love in our, in our lives. Mm-hmm. I have a really hard time digesting um, the stations of the cross all in one shot. Like we've gotten to pray it, pray it together on retreats and stuff like yeah. that. And, and um, in one shot, I always wind up like my, my favorite is, is Simon of Cyrene. And, and you haven't seen um, the passion of the Christ, but no. the scene with Simon of Cyrene is just so, oh, it's so beautiful. It's so well acted. It's just incredible. And it makes me tear up every time. And I get, I will get stuck on that scene literally probably 75% of the time that I pray mm-hmm. stations. The other 25%, it's kind of scattered out, right? Yeah. But I found that if I just think about that one station of Simon having to help carry Jesus's cross and what a privilege and a burden yeah. that is and, and kind of the depth of that, I get so much more out of that prayer, right? And so that's, that's just, it was just kind of me and some of my core team kind of came up with that idea of like, what if we just prayed one station mm. like we took our small group and we just prayed one station and then it kind of became like we should encourage the teens to do this during Lent like go and just sit at one station and just kind of contemplate it I guarantee you they're up in stained glass or on plaques or something around your church right. just go and and contemplate it yeah um, maybe even like blow your parish priest's mind and go up to him and ask hey what can you tell me about this like can you tell me about the station and why it's important, mm-hmm. right? As a way to, to get, just kind of kickstart, jumpstart your Linton fire yeah. a little bit. Yeah. We did want to talk about one more, uh, one more piece of art. It's not something that you'll see in every church, but it's something that I think is, um, it's widely available. Mm-hmm. Um, you can, you can find this picture online and we'll post it on our show notes. Um, <laughs> we'll also post a, uh, post a, a wonderfully written book, um, that I would imagine is probably pretty popular at Lent. I bet it gets pretty popular at Lent. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, uh, it's by one of our favorites, Henry Nowen, um, and uh, it's called The Return of the Prodigal Son. Absolutely phenomenal book. Um, uh, the subline is A Story of Homecoming, right, which kind yes. of implies a journey. We won't give too much of the book away, uh, except that it, it's a really in-depth exploration of the parable of the prodigal mm-hmm. son. And we're all journeying back towards home. We're all journeying back towards Jerusalem. Uh, with Jesus this time during Lent. If you don't have some spiritual reading for Lent, this This is a great great place to start. It's a little thin book. There's no big words. It's very anecdotal. So it's very relatable. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Nowen does a really, really good job of kind of telling his own story through through the lens of this prodigal son story. He talks about the different characters, including, of course, the prodigal son, the father that he's returning home to, and then uh, the most mis- maybe the most misunderstood character was this other son that uh, his yeah. his heart you, you learn in the book his heart was also kind of separated from the fathers this whole time so there's some lessons in there um, but the painting just to kind of quickly look at the painting that this book uh, was inspired by right um, it's a painting by Rembrandt and uh, Rembrandt's um, uh, different versions of Rembrandt at his different uh, different stages in his life are visible in this painting. And he, he painted, this is one of his final paintings. He painted it as an older, uh, he was older when he an painted older it. Gent. And he'd suffered a lot of loss in his life, the death of a wife and children and all kinds right. of crazy stuff that had happened. Um, and it's just such a 
beautiful expression of this story. And, and, and now, and uh, we won't try to duplicate it here. Now so it does detailed. a really, really good yeah. job of kind of breaking it down. Um, but we wanted to kind of use this as a, a great example of how to let artwork, uh, Christian art, um, be a part of your prayer life. And especially during Lent. Over, Effect and guide. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much mystery in Lent. There's so much, um, you know, there's so many different directions you can go. And so a lot of times having, again, having a reference point, something visible and tangible, uh, to just to kind of anchor us in our prayer is a really good place to start. Yeah. Um, this was one of father Wade uh, who we've talked about. This was one of his favorite paintings. He had a big print of it made and, and, uh, framed and hung up, um, at the parish that we worked at together. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so it's just, it's just a beautiful thing, I think, and and there's this. It's this really beautiful scene of of a prodigal who's returned home, and he looks like he's been he's uh, been through a lot. He's been through a lot. The father who's embracing him, um, this other son that's looking on, and then these other witnesses that are kind of watching this grace happen. And uh, it, you know, wh wherever you're at in your prayer life, maybe you're that person coming home. Maybe you're that. Maybe you're a mother or father who's like waiting on your child to yeah. get their act together, right? Um, wherever you're at in your prayer life, I promise you, you can relate to this picture. You can Absolutely. relate to the emotion here. Um, it's really, really, it's just really beautiful. I, I, um, I can remember uh, going to confession and I was having, uh, this was right around the time that Father Wade passed away. Mm. And I'd had... I mean, I was, I was just having a hard time in general. And, um, I went to, um, like a kind of a, kind of just a random church in downtown Austin. Everybody that I, all the priests that I knew, right. I didn't want to go to confession with any of them. I was yeah. just kind of feeling, you know, you wanted lonely, some right? Anonymity. Yeah. Anonymity. I, I wanted, I wanted some anonym, anonymity. We both struggle <laughs> with that. Let's just, let's have a game where we pick words that are hard to say and we try to say them. Um, and I can, I can remember like seeing this painting and, and not really being able to look at it. Cause it reminded me of father Wade and feeling, Ugh. feeling, you know, had, had some anger and just different kind of things going on. And then I, I went to, um, to confession at another, another church here in Austin and I walked into the confessional and up on the wall was this That's painting it. And, it was oh. like, and it was gigantic. It was like God <laughs> saying, bruh, Hey, come on. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Like, this is where I, this is, this is for you. Right. And, and I so, see you. yeah. And, yeah. and, and so we, we really, really encourage you again to kind of find, and my confession was very fruitful when, when that happened. Right. Mm -hmm. We encourage you again to find some things like this, um, some, some, some anchors, just yeah. really some anchor points that can, can keep you focused and keep you motivated during this time of Lent, which can often be really shameful and confusing and, yeah. and, and maybe and even, isolating. It can be. Yeah. I was, I was going to say, if you're paring down, can feel kind of, of can feel kind of fruitless a, yeah. lot of, a lot of times. Well, you know what I like about the book too, is it kind of reminded me of your challenge to your teens with looking at the stations and just visiting one at a time. I like the layout of the book where we're looking in depth at each of the characters mm -hmm. in the painting, mm -hmm. because I, I don't, I don't know that I've ever, um, looked at each of the characters, you know, you kind of get focused on the prodigal son and the father. I never paid attention much yeah. to bystanders or the older brother sure. and, and looking at that and then seeing myself in each of the characters, you know, mm -hmm. 
Ooh, it's insightful. It is. It is. And it's, and it points to, um, this, uh, this spirituality, I think that we've, we've talked about before, you know, sort of this Ignatian, Mm -hmm. um, immersion, right. Kind of using, using your imagination, using your five senses Mm -hmm. to kind of put yourself in the story. Um, the painting paintings like this sacred art really kind of helps us to do that. Um, one of the things that I have really benefited from is this book, taught me to go into a Bible story and to look at all the details mm. maybe that I had passed over because yeah. I was just blown away. I mean, obviously Henry Nouwen, a great spiritual writer, very holy person had spent a lot of time praying with the story of the, of the, the prodigal son <coughs> praying with this picture, right. And, and kind of letting it feed his, his prayer life. And this book is the fruit of that prayer. Like it, yeah. it you know, there were a lot of just a lot of stuff that, that, was drawn out because of, because of his, the time that he spent in prayer. Um, but I was just blown away by the details and he would take a little detail like, okay, there were servants there. Right. And so he's put servants Mm -hmm. in this Rembrandt's put servants in this painting. Well, what must the servants have thought when they saw this scene unfold? Mm. And now and talks about that. And it's like, I never would have, I mean, it's just, it's just a kind of a random detail. There's these servants that it seems random. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not right. Yeah. And and there's so much really beautiful stuff that comes out of it. Yeah. The, you know, the look on, on, you know, the, the older son's face that stayed home. Right. And, and how that, how that helped him to kind of unpack what the older son must've been feeling and what the father must've been feeling towards his older son. Right. And that yeah. kind of thing. So those, you know, <coughs> those little details are all in there for a reason. And God wants us to, to use these, you know, the imagination to use our heart to kind of unpack those things and, and to figure out what God has to say to us uniquely. Yeah. Um, just a really incredible book. We can't, it is. we can't, uh, we can't encourage that enough, uh, to, to really find some spiritual reading and, and to, to make it, um, just kind of give your, yourself an opportunity to connect to God in that, in that, in that way. Um, I really love at Lent too. I really love that there are these, um, you know, we talked about all these things that the kind of the church points to and even something outside of the church, not outside of the church, but outside of the church proper, right? Like, like the painting, like a book by now. And, uh-huh. um, all of these things though, point to the role of the church. Okay. Right. And so if you're, if you're, and this is kind of the thought that that got me kind of rolling Mm -hmm. on this idea. If you're someone maybe like I've been in the past, um, and that I continue, I I continue to struggle with this, that the church feels intimidating because Mm -hmm. you don't feel good enough. You feel like you're being judged. You feel like, you know, uh, you can't connect to people or you can't connect to the prayer or the liturgy or whatever. The point of the church is to get you to heaven. Mm. It's not for you to be a saint and then to in go to, order to go in order to go to church. Yeah. Right. The church, we've said it before. The church is a, a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. Mm-hmm. Right. So the point of the church is to get you to heaven. There is some freedom and some solace in the idea that if you are not being fed at your church, if you're not being fed, you know, however you're, wherever you're going to worship God, right. Um, that, Maybe that is not all your fault. Mm-hmm. And maybe if you talk to someone about it, 
there's something that can be done about that. Absolutely. Now that doesn't get you off the hook. If you're just not going and investing in worship, if you're not going and spending the time, go and spend the time. That's right. what God is calling you to do during Lent is to go and spend the time. You have a role. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you need to a- actively participate. Yes. Um, but if you walk up to that church building and you feel like this is not home, right? This, this doesn't feel like home to me. Something needs to change. Yeah. Something needs. It's and, important. And not, and not because you, you necessarily <clears throat> are doing something wrong or because you're not worthy of that or something like that, but because that's what the church is for. That's what the building is for. That's what the art is for. That's what, you know, right. however many old ladies are on the art and environment committee that like, you know, they don't, they just argue over what color to paint something, right? Like whether they're missing the point or not, the art and environment of the church is to get you to heaven. It's to help you get to heaven. Yeah. Right? They're all assistive of, is that a word? Assistive? I think I might've made that up. It's okay. I like it. Assistive. They all assist in mm-hmm. our experience because here's the thing. There's more than 31 flavors, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so everybody has a different, um, uh, aesthetic, whatever style. So, you know, there are going to be things that are happening at the church that you, you may or may not, I don't know, feel comfortable or homey with. That doesn't always mean that that, Hey, I don't know which direction I'm going. It's okay. No, <laughs> cause it's not just the stuff. It's also the environment, uh, meaning the people, the personalities. So, you know, there's, yeah. there's a place for you and, and it should feel like the cozy, the cozy place that you're most, comfortable space is should exactly. be your what your church feels like exactly and it all it all should be you know hopefully creating this environment this ambiance where where you 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 notice god's presence to you the ambiance should make you notice god yes Absolutely. i like that and and so and if it's not if it's not one try some of the things that we've talked about try keep, keeping focused on the crucifix on anchors, try yeah. keeping focused on on, you know, the, the sacred vessels, the Eucharist, the tabernacle, right? Try working on those things, but also recognize that, um, you know, I, I, I really think that there are so many different flavors. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't seem that way from the outside, uh, right. with the Catholic church, but there are so many different flavors within the Catholic church, so many different spiritualities, so many different ways uh, that God is encouraging us to, mm-hmm. to connect with him. And if we, if we really kind of stop and look around, we'll, we'll find one. We'll find something that really fits and feels really comfortable to us. Right. We'll find something very for some delicious. of us, for some of us, that's a Latin mass for some of it. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's a contemporary mass with contemporary music. Mm-hmm. Um, for some of us, it's like silent mass, right? Like, yeah. and everything is just, is just super quiet and ambient. And you know, like, like that kind of stuff is, is there and it's, and it's available. Um, if you feel like, okay, well, maybe I live in a small town or the closest church to me is, you know, it's a 200 year old church. And they've been doing the same thing for 200 years. I, I get that, but I guarantee you, I guarantee you there's a richness and a depth in, in the liturgy, right? That, um, even if you're paying attention, there is a richness and a depth in the liturgy somewhere that you are not noticing. Mm. Right. So even if you can't, you know, get that, that maybe, maybe that feeling that you're expecting or that feeling that you feel like you want, right. Mm -hmm. Be open to the feeling that's there. There you go. Be open to, to the, the graces that are being poured out there and that are being poured out in that 
particular way, right? Because like you said at the beginning, the graces, we, you know, it's, it's, it's a mystery. And sometimes mm-hmm. the graces are, are showered upon us and we're not necessarily cognizant of it in the moment Yes, that we have received these graces until after the fact and we're wowed. Exactly. Exactly. If you've ever gone to church and you've just been like, the music is terrible. The music at this church is, is so blah, blah, so blah. bad. Maybe there's maybe the volunteer up there, you know, that person can't sing or whatever. Um, what if we looked at that and we said, that person is raising their voice to God. It's like, it's like sacrificing that in prayer, giving, yeah. giving, giving that gift back to God. Um, <clears throat> I guarantee you if we went out in the desert, literally, and we journeyed with Christ for 40 days and we didn't eat or drink anything, we would get inconvenienced real fast. Yeah. Right? Real fast. Christ is still present to us. He mm-hmm. knows that we're going to get inconvenienced. He knows that it's going to be hard and he still makes his presence known and he still makes that invitation. He's so generous. Right? So he's still inviting you. He's still present when that person can't sing. He's still inviting you when it's uncomfortable to pray. Mm-hmm. He's still inviting you when you can't seem to focus uh, during your prayer time or when you can't seem to focus at mass. He's the, it doesn't the change point it. I'm making is that, is that he is unchanging. He's, he's there, yeah. right? So if he's there, he won't be there without offering you a way to connect to him. Cause he wants to, cause he wants to. Yeah. Right. So, that Again, helps me to remember. It does. It does. It helps me to, it helps me to yeah. kind of take the pressure off of Lent, which is kind of what yeah. we talked about last week yeah. too. It's like, like why, you know, I'm going to sacrifice it all. Yeah. <laughs> and if I'm, and if I'm going to encounter Jesus in this, shouldn't I leave some room for him to kind of direct that yeah. encounter? Right. Like, like this, this really should be about him as opposed to how many things I can give up, I can give up or, <laughs> or I can do to make myself feel holier. Right. right. It's not about, don't get me wrong. If that's your, if that's your, your game, like if that's the thing that feels comfortable is like, what's the next thing I can do? Great. Maybe God is calling you to that. Yeah. That's awesome. But feeling like we, um, feeling like there's maybe one, one way to connect. Uh, is, is is a little it's, it's honestly kind of a little silly yeah. it doesn't make any sense we're all different monotonous yeah yeah, yeah. So. it's like your fridge analogy mm-hmm. a while back yeah just yeah. clear the room but you're not clearing the room just for the sake of having mm-hmm. a lot of room you mm-hmm. need room for him to move yeah and instead of groceries put a crucifix in there and then oh, look wow. at it wow <laughs> <laughs> that just took a weird turn yeah yeah it did um but that is that is really kind of kind of what we mean is like are, are we are we you know, at Lent, the purpose of Lent is to make room for God. It's to, it's to, you know, he, we go out into this barren desert because there's not anything else to focus on except Christ. Yeah. And so when we're in mass, if we're losing focus, if we're not, you know, readily available for Jesus, if we can't make ourselves available to him, well, then let's focus on, on the tangible, you know, noticeable ways that he's present. Yeah. Right. Um, very, very cool. I like that. And our that. church is here to help. Our church is yes. here to help. Your church is here to help. And if you go to your church and you ask them for help and they give you like a funny, funny feeling, or if it's a negative, uh, you know, if it's a, if it's a negative feeling, there's really two options. One, you can ask how you can help. You can mm-hmm. ask how you can kind of make that, those changes happen. Right. Mm-hmm. Or you can go to another church. Absolutely. And we encourage you to do both. Yeah. If you're not being fed where you're supposed to be fed. 
seek, seek, seek God. Yeah. Keep, keep on going. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yep. Um, I want to kind of make you watch that scene with Simon of Cyrene from the Passion oh, of the Christ. Make me? I will fast forward it to just that part. And Sound on or off? Oh, it's, it's, well, it's all in Hebrew and Aramaic and Latin. But the music, is there the buildup? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's good okay. sound effects. And it's, it's, of course, it's like a very, very well done movie. I want to make you watch that part. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, maybe I'll just find a picture on Google. And make you... Yeah, do that. I'll do that. And you can see kind of Simon of Cyrene's expression. And okay. Yeah, it's really beautiful. It's cool. It's correct. I feel like we covered a lot in a lot of different directions today. We did. We hope that helps. We hope that helps you pick something out, um, uh, you know, to kind of focus on this yeah, Lent. and just assist your Lenten journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We also want to give, again, a special shout out to all of our friends in the tech community that might be listening and to thank uh, Billy for the great idea and the great invite Yeah. Uh, to to dedicate um, an episode to our tech family, as we call yes. it. Yes. And um, we're going to pray, and then we will talk to you later. <laughs> I love hearing you say that. I, I like that it makes you laugh. All right, let's pray together. My Texan friend. I know. My Louisianan, my New, New Orleanian friend. New Orleanian friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. In, In the name of the, the Father, Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Our Our Father, Father, who who art art in heaven, heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Ragamuffins, thank you so much for listening and for uh, just being awesome in general. We really appreciate the opportunity yes. to to pray with you and to pray for you. And we know that you're praying for us and we, we will continue to pray for one another. That's right. Yeah. As we walk alone together, alone together. in the desert this Lent. Yeah. I feel like we should get shirts made and say alone, <laughs> alone together. Alone together. <laughs> alone together. Just confuse everyone. We're all about the... Yeah. Would that be an oxymoron? I like together. to just call me something. I didn't just, just call you anything. Just I just like saying moron. I like throwing that word out there. No, yeah, I don't. I know. All right. <laughs> Let's get out of here. We'll talk at you later. We'll talk at you later. Thank you so much, Ragamuffins. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. Peace. to Church Podcast is an AMET Creative production and is hosted by James Longoria and Nikki Moncada. 
Our theme music is Candle in the Shadows by The Poor Kings. Check them out on Spotify or wherever you download music. Incidental music is by Punch Deck. Find us on Instagram at Late to Church Podcast and let us know your questions, comments, and thoughts by contacting Late to Church Podcast at gmail.com. Your insights might even be featured on the show. Just a little reminder you are good, you are worthy, you are the beloved. Look around for the Lord today. He loves you and he wants an encounter with you. Thank you for journeying with us. We're praying for you. Peace.